Welcome back to another glorious episode of A Spirited Debate. The crew have dusted off the glasses, dropped in some ice, and pulled the corks, and we are ready, as always, to pour a few drinks and find a way to rattle each other's cages. Follow if that's your thing, like if you want. Fuck it, we're just happy you're listening, and that's all that matters to us. So as our sound guy cues up the music, grab yourself a drink, sit back, relax, and join us for... Just skip over. I'm trying to contribute to the discussion. It would be wrong. They would absolutely and, and, and I be wrong. If you thought that our debates were going to be different, then joke's on you. I thought you'd get better. And you guys came with the same shit. We are on our way. I'm I'm double fisting. So I thought that was on Friday night. Dad always says you never get better by playing people worse than it ain't gonna so, take somebody long to get bingo so, here. Hey, let's go ahead and unwrap this present <laughs> so, uh, and let the I, debate begin. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of A Spirited Debate. Happy to be here. We've we've got an interesting one today. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit different. Half of our half of our contingent is missing uh, for one reason or another. Just want to say, you know, hope they're having a good time. Mac is in Mexico with the family on vacation, celebrating his daughter's graduation, and the Grinch. To his credit, 20 years of marriage, uh, they are down at the beach celebrating their 20th wedding anniversary, so I hope they're having a wonderful time. We will miss them both, but obviously it does not prevent us from being able to persevere and tread on. I am here with Haas. Haas, thank you for joining me. How are you doing today, brother? I'm great, man. I'm great to be here in, in, in honor of, uh, of Grinchy to McGrinchy to do. I'm going to just say, woohoo, yeah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we don't have that. Uh, yeah, the energy. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a little different. Obviously, a, a few less voices might make it a little easier, obviously, to, to talk and debate our topic. Uh, but, you know, our, we are going to miss both of you guys. Sorry you're not here. Definitely listen back to this and see how much fun we have without you. But, you know, you will be missed without, without further ado. Well, and as I can tell you, not having been here last week, I, I missed not being here. Yeah, um, it happens. Because you're the only person who's not missed an episode. And I can tell you, it sucks. It sucks not being here. I miss it when I'm not here. I do. Well, and that's the thing. Like uh, Mac texted me this week. He's like, it's not going to be, it's not going to feel right. It just feels weird that I'm not going to be on. And I'm like, dude, I mean, you'll be missed. Obviously. I mean, you lend your voice to the show and without it, it is not the same when you're not here. It's not the same, same thing with Grinch. I mean, I, obviously, yes, I have been the only one through every episode that has been here. And I can speak to the fact that when you guys are not here, it is different. It's diminished in some way because I, we don't have your voice to lend to the commentary in the show as a whole. So, you know, thank you. I know we talked about doing this or not doing this because it was only going to be 50% of the show uh, of the cast, but you know, I do appreciate you taking the time and being here and we're still going to make it a good one. I don't give a fuck. We got plenty of energy between the two of us. So we'll make I mean, it happen. We've got chemistry, baby. How are you us. doing? That's right. How you doing? Good to see you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I'm, obviously, I'm happy to be here. I look forward to this weekend and week out. And you guys not being here is always a tough one for me. But you know, not doing it, I think, is even harder. Like if we if we don't if we don't ever record uh, on a weekend or or whenever we decide to do it, it's like something just is missing. And we always right. talk about that. If we change a day or whatever, it just feels weird. So, well, I think it's the honorable thing to do is to power power power, power on, power yeah. through, and 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 continue to put out you know what we believe is enjoyable content. quality content yeah right. and i'm interested because mac not being here you know he always complains about the way he sounds right well he won't be on so there'd yep. be no reason he shouldn't listen to this episode and give his honest feedback other about, than the fact that he doesn't want to listen to them i don't know maybe, yeah. maybe he doesn't like the sound of your voice or my voice okay he's had 32 mm -hmm. years to figure that shit out so if he hasn't figured it out by now that's his problem fair enough <laughs> I Touché. Can't, can't help him with that yeah, but without any further ado, let's jump into our topic. Not sure how long today will run. We'll run as long as we want to. I mean, that's the beauty of this show. We can go as long or as, as little as we want based on the yep. topic. Yep. So with that being said, sir, what are you drinking today? I, I decided uh, because of our topic today, I'm having a PIMS cup. Oh, okay. Yes, it is a PIMS number one cup, which is a uh, standard. I don't know if it's Great Britain per se, but I know at least a British staple. And I, uh, the ingredients are the PIMS cup, PIMS number one cup, uh, and ginger ale. And so uh, that, that is what I'm having. Yep. I have wanted to try that. I've heard about it, but it's not something I have been fortunate enough to get my hands on and try. So uh, is quality good enough? Worth it? So the, the, yeah, so the PIMS cup, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a classic English summer drink. It is an institution in the UK, as I understand it to be true. People drink it with like lemonade, mint. And various fresh fruits. It's kind of, um, it's a lot, it, it's a gin based type thing, but it's, um, 
it's dark and kind of um, syrupy almost. And, and, and to me, almost has a little bit of a licorice taste to it. Um, but mixed with ginger ale, I, and you know, I'm a big fan of ginger ale. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is quite tasty. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will definitely have to try to get my hands on some of that and give it a shot. I too like ginger ale. So I'm sure it will probably be in my wheelhouse in terms of the flavor and, and how tasty it is. And what's it called again? Pim's cup number one. It, well, well, the Pim's cup, the Pim's number one cup is the, the liquor. alcohol. Oh, right. Right. And the drinks just called Pim's cup. And that's it. That's it. Okay. Very cool. Uh, obviously in honor of today with our topic, I, I get the correlation because of course you say it and then you say the, the drink and I'm like, how does that equate? But then when you explain it, it makes sense as an institution in that country. Obviously, it makes sense. So I am drinking, depending on how the outcome of today goes, I am drinking a dark and stormy. Mm. And I'm praying to God that that's not foreshadowing and foreboding. But that is what I decided to go with. I had the um, the the, Gla- the Gosling's Black Seal Rum. Uh, so I'm drinking that with Gosling's ginger beer, a little bit of lime. And then topped with a a lime for garnish. And so I tried to pour it in so it looked, but obviously it Mm -hmm. didn't mix. It just, it's like. For those that can't see it, it looks amazing. Yeah, Uh, but it's like, it's just separated. So I keep trying to get it mixed, but I'm like, fuck it. I'll just drink all the rum off the top. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Well, I mean, you know, there's worse plights in the world, my friend. Yeah, you're supposed to fill it with a ginger beer, uh, hit it with the lime, and then just pour the, the the dark rum, and it's supposed to just kind of drain out into the drink and mix so it looks like it's storming mm-hmm. is the intent. But then mine's separated, so I'm, I'm not sure why, but that's okay. It's going to taste fine. T- yeah, tastes fine on the top part, at least. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, yeah, this so, could be uh, the quickest episode ever. <laughs> that's it. So, But you got to remember, you're six hours ahead of me, so it's noon here. Yeah. So I do have to kind of pace myself not to wipe myself out today. Uh, yeah, but, look, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to get you shit housed. No, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, but with that being said, as always, cheers, sir. Thank you for being yes, here. Yes, cheers, my friend. And uh, hope for a great to, show. To our, to our vacationing homies. I'll That's pour it. a little out. Hope you guys are having a, a blast. And by pouring it out, he meant, you know, down his gullet. I did mean that. Yes. Uh, so let's jump into our topic. I thought this topic was, was going to be a good one because... Of the four of us on the show, I think you and I are more attached to this particular topic, not topic, sport. Subject, subject matter? Subject matter, yeah, the sport in, that we're going to be discussing. So unless, unless, you know, in the world of sports, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that this has been considered the summer of soccer. And here in America, right now, they're running... Uh, the Euro competition, obviously, that's occurring in Europe. There's also the the South America. There's a South American, the Copa America competition that's going on right now, um, which just ended what last night. J- yeah, and so you know, and then obviously on July 23rd, the Olympics start. So it's just another. It's going to be another round of international football at the Olympics. So it's one of those things where the summer of soccer. I thought because it's you and I, we both love the sport. And being Plus raised have, on the sport, you also have the Gold Cup, and you do have the Gold one. Cup. And uh, what's the one that finishes? There's one that finishes at the Olympics with the U.S. versus Mexico, right? That's the um, it's the one just between Central North and Central and North the America, right? It's the, the Concacaf. Concacaf. Yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a lot of soccer, football this summer. So it's been a pleasure to be able to watch, uh, obviously for you being overseas with the euros going on right now, I'm sure it has been just magical in terms of the atmosphere, things of that nature, living in Austria, Austria was in the euros. They didn't make it. They actually made history at the euros this year. So I have to imagine in Vienna for you, it has probably just been an amazing run in the last month being kind of rooted in the middle of Europe while this is going on. I am jealous. Well, 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 here's what's interesting because both Grinch and Mac also love the sport. Um, I don't know how much they watched of, of the Euros. I know you and I've been talking pretty much during every match right. for the most part. And I know when we get together, we watched because the, the one time you and Grinch and I got together, we sat and watched um, uh, football or American or soccer together i know you and i have sat and watched many a match together yeah uh world cup mostly but yeah with you and i talking it's been um it's been really cool to sit and watch because i guess the first experience i had was when we came over here to europe for my dad's 50th birthday watching the world cup when i was in munich for the first time and germany beat uh saudi arabia six nothing and close i had a hat trick i mean the town went nuts 
And then in the summer of 2018, when Mrs. Haas and I were in uh, London for a conference that she was attending, watching that like at Covent Garden or at different places, there was a certain magic to that as well. But being here this year for the entire cup, for the UEFA Cup, or the Euro Cup rather, yeah, you and I have talked about it. Like I, the only thing missing was watching it with people like you, who I know appreciate and know the history and know the culture and just and, and really get into it because the vibe is just. I mean, I've watched, I've watched plenty of matches in the U.S., especially World Cup stuff with random people and strangers and in, in different places, and it's a cool vibe. It, it's a it's it's a go USA vibe, but of course, when the USA doesn't make it, um, it's weird. What's interesting here is, A, not really having a quote-unquote dog in the fight per se, um, means that, and you and I discussed this, I think, in the previous World Cup when USA make it, it kind of made it better for us because there was no emotion attached. You could just sit back and enjoy it for what it was. And- Agreed, but at the same time, obviously, that, that aspect of being able to cheer on your own team does, you know, it is missing, I think, on some level for us. But, yes, sure. you know, you but are we able also to know enjoy better. it. Well, yeah. and it's also why, like, you root for England because your heritage is from there. I root from the Netherlands because my heritage comes from there. So we we still kind of have a team that we're rooting for and cheering for, right? Um, and teams that are historically pretty good. So it's not like we don't have that. But I think the the what's made this particularly magical for me this year was, of course, the the energy. Um, I think I've sent you pictures from like. You walk in every park when, when Australia was playing, every park you go to has a TV set up and there's just hundreds, if not thousands of people filling up this park to sit and watch the match together. Every beer garden and public space you can think of where you can see it is filled to the brim with people. And it's just been a fascinating cup. The year Absolutely. is 2020s, even though this is 2021. I mean, I mean, take it away. I mean, some of the stuff that's gone on in this tournament has just been amazing. Absolutely. And that, of course, brings us to the topic of conversation. And again, this this is not really in terms of our content today is not about debating. Uh, Haas and I are just, you know, we appreciate the sport. We appreciate being able to watch the matches. And, and I don't think it's much of a debate in terms of just recapping how the last month has been 51 matches. We have one match left to go. So we've had 50 matches in that month. But there have been a number of storylines that have occurred over the last month from the uh, group stage through the round of 16, even up to the semifinals. And then here we are on the final day with England versus Italy. And obviously people are, in terms of just polarizing, you, you know, you're, you're for one team or you're for another, you know, some people obviously don't care. It's like, yeah, it's just, it's good to watch and I don't care who wins. But at the end of the day, it has been an amazing run in the last month. So I just wanted to go over with you today, just some of the storylines, just kind of get your hot take on them. And just discuss it and just see, you know, what's the last month been like for this particular competition. So with that, obviously, you can't you can't discuss Euro 2020 on any level, any way, shape or form. Doesn't matter what teams were in it, who's in the final, what's happened. There has been one pervasive storyline. And obviously, that is the collapse of Christian Eriksen, beginning of the competition, Denmark versus Finland. 10 minutes into the game and he suffers cardiac arrest, young man, 29 years old. Obviously that was a shock for his team, for all of the people in the stadium and for the fans around the world that a young guy like that at the top of his game uh, is going to collapse on the field. Arguably their best player, the captain of the team at the time. But you know what I'm saying? You go, Oh, by all accounts, he's 29 years old. Guy plays football. He's clearly in good shape, takes care of himself, takes care of his body right? That would be the assumption. And then 10 minutes into the game, he collapses. And at the time of the collapse, nobody really knew. But if you watch the video back, and it is just heartbreaking to watch the way his players react, the other players react, they immediately get people on the field and literally do CPR on this on this young man on the field. And the articles that I've read, he did, again, assuming that it is accurate, he did actually expire on the field. They use CPR to bring him back and then, you know, hook him up to a bunch of machines, put him on a cart, wheel him off. Thankfully, it was a horrific situation, but thankfully it has ended positively that, that he did survive and was able to root on his team. I have to imagine, unfortunately for him at 29 years old, his career is all but done. I mean, I don't know how you suffer cardiac arrest. I think that I saw that they are going to be putting in a pacemaker or something, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's gut-wrenching, but I think that has been the biggest 
uh, storyline. Well, because uh, come in, with this. in tandem with that, it really united and sent a real spark through the entire um, Danish team. And they, I mean, they, they went far. I mean, you know, getting, right. getting to the semifinals is, is no small feat. No joke. No. Um, and could argue um, that they could have made it to the finals. It was one of those, it was one of those matches where I was obviously rooting for them. And, and I, I don't know that I don't know on any other given day, whether they would have advanced or not, but uh, regardless, they, they had a hell of a tournament and it was, it was a storybook Cinderella tournament for them. And, and, and I really enjoyed watching them play uh, with all that passion and excitement and unity. And yeah, it was just, it was really enjoyable to watch. Absolutely. And I, I got to imagine there's nothing that's going to solidify your, your locker room in that situation. than watching one of your brothers fall, understanding kind of the gravity of the situation, what the implications were of his collapse. Yes. He's pulled through it, thankfully, uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it literally solidified them I and mean, they were the energy that they possess coming out. And I, I think that coupled with the fact that, and I'm going to, I'll be honest, UEFA seriously dropped the ball as the governing body of football in, in Europe. They seriously dropped the ball when they announced to both teams, you will have to continue this game. They did cancel the game after it happened to their credit. They said, Hey, we're going to stop. It's too emotional. It's too much, but they did in fact, make them play again with before the end of the day or, or was it the it may have been the next, it was day. The next day was it the next day uh i apologize yeah the next day and i know the coach of denmark tried to leverage going can we not get a 48 hour reprieve our our players are emotional and even made the point when uefa stood up and said no you have to play the game and going you know what with covid restrictions if there was god forbid a covid issue you would cancel the game and give us a 48 hour break but you won't do that when somebody basically died on the field knowing that the players are going to be going through a gut-wrenching emotional roller coaster, you're going to make them come back, come back out and play. And they ended up losing that game to Finland. But uh, I think that UEFA absolutely dropped the ball and should have said, you know what, we will absolutely reschedule that game. You know, we can fit it in somewhere else. There's a way to make that happen. You know, I think there's enough from a logistic standpoint, they can go, let's push it. Let's give these guys a break. Obviously one of the, their captain, one of their star players, friend, compatriot has collapsed on the field. And it's not like, you know, it was minor. You're talking cardiac arrest, the end of his life, and they were able to save him. So I thought that was in, in, incredibly disappointing that UEFA made that call and, and forced them to come back out and play under those circumstances. But uh, ultimately, they were able to persevere, come together as a team after that loss and, and push on through to the semifinals. So credit to them. I just obviously to the entire team. I was rooting for you. Yes, I'm an England fan. Hosh, you pointed that out. But honestly, when we got to the semifinal match, I'm like, if the Danes win, I'm good with it. Like, they've earned the right to be here with what they've had to deal with. It was definitely impressive yes. um, the way they composed themselves as both, not just professionals, but as human beings. Absolutely. Um, given the circumstances. So, like you, uh, I definitely found myself rooting for them um, <clears throat> up to and including – I. I'll go ahead and, 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 and we'll, we'll put the cart before the horse a little bit since we're just kind of going on this thread. But I think had Italy not beaten Spain in the semifinals, I would have most certainly been pulling for Denmark, not England. Because the truth of the matter is, is and I, again, I know I'm putting cart before horse here, but I want England to win uh, the final match because I feel as though Italy, um, when they have the ball, Oh, I'm sorry. When they don't have the ball, they're super aggressive um, and they are, are dirty. They're just dirty. Um, I feel as though that they, they don't play uh, as fair as on the opposite side. When they have the ball, if the wind blows too hard, they're like glass. They, they fall down and they're, they're melodramatic and they roll around and they act, you know, all assaulted. And so that 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 opposing what's the word I'm looking for? Crap. Uh, the dichotomy of, of, of those two polar opposites of the situation of how they how they act and behave makes me not want to root for them, makes me cheer against them and root against them. And so I think uh, had Spain gotten through, I probably would have most certainly been rooting for Denmark to make it to the finals. So if Denmark wins that game and it's the Danes and the Spanish in the final, who would you have pulled for? I still wouldn't have been rooting for Denmark. Absolutely. Cinderella team all the yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Plus Spain, so highly decorated. 
you know, it'd be nice to see Denmark, you know, get, get, get a win. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, that's one of those things where you look at it and you go, it's easy to pull for the underdog. It's easy to pull for a Denmark in that situation, regardless of obviously how it ultimately falls out. You look at certain powerhouses, the Germany's, the France, the England's, the, you know, the teams like that, the, the Spanish, Netherlands, the, the Netherlands, Bel- the, 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 the Belgium. I mean, yeah, I know where you're going with this. You expect yeah. them to be in the hunt all the time. And it's really, it is, it is a shock when they're not. And, and I will say that's probably the one thing about Germany this year is they seemed so inconsistent, so wildly inconsistent in this competition. And I know one of the issues there, and we'll get to this in a minute, was they knew they had a, a, a coach in Jurgi Lowe that's going out. This is his final competition. So how much effort is he really putting into it? Like, I know one of the storylines was um, Thomas Muller was not in the starting squad at the beginning of this competition wasn't even playing for Germany and Lowe went to him and asked him to come back because he had so many young players and he was trying to find somebody that could help keep the ship on course. Somebody that was a veteran that had the experience galvanize him a bit. Yeah. Right. And basically had to go and beg him to come back after dropping him from the squad to have to go and basically beg him to go, Hey, can you come back and play? You know, that's obviously not a good look when starting a competition like that, but they just seemed so wildly inconsistent from match to match. You just never really knew what you were going to get. And I don't know if that's an issue with their ability, uh, obviously not being the Germany teams of old gelling on the field and things of that nature. I don't know if maybe it's a breakdown in the coaching because he is leaving. So I don't know that it was just interesting to see a powerhouse like that. Somebody that is generally always consistent, just kind of be wildly inconsistent this year. This has been such a crazy tournament because first of all, it's being played a year later than when it was supposed to be played. So you're going to have maybe coaching decisions that probably wouldn't have been the same. You have, obviously you have roster decisions that most certainly weren't going to be the same than they would have been a year ago. Right. Right. So, uh, and then you have teams like, I mean, let, let's give credit where credit is due. Italy has a pretty young, what, what seems a pretty gelled team a year ago, would they have been refi- as refined as cohesive of a unit? Probably not. I mean, an extra year of development together is pretty impressive. Well, and you had Italy coming off a not making the World Cup in 2018 uh, and and then clearly showing up for this competition. Well, what would have been last year, two years later, but obviously because of COVID got pushed a year. Um, So they've had a few years to kind of work out whatever their kinks are. And clearly they seem to be firing on all cylinders. Now we'll see if that holds true in the final. But at the end of the day, things can vacillate wildly, you know, over the span of that, those two or three years from the World Cup. Again, the USA didn't make the World Cup in 2018. You know, what does that mean for us moving forward? Who knows? You know, will we make well, the next one and, and that I, type of I, thing? I think we've got some impressive young talent, but, but that's, a, that's a, another, another, another rabbit hole you and I could go down for hours. And believe me, we will. Um, so let's move this, this train along. So another thing I wanted to discuss, obviously, you've already mentioned it, your heritage. You are an Orangeman at heart with, with the Dutch, the Netherlands. Yep. Um, obviously, they got bounced early in the round of 16, and that yeah. had to be painful. And losing to the Czech Republic. It's not like they lost to a Germany or a Belgium or a Spain. I mean, to lose 2 nothing, that had to be a, a gut punch for you. Well, okay. When one of your best players gets a red card and you're down a man, I mean, I don't care if it's – a quality team or a less than quality team you're 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 you know being down being down a player is hard as you well know uh in this sport when you when you have people moving in open space and and, and creating opportunities you're at a real disadvantage being down a, down a player and i think i think under different circumstances that's not what would have happened but it is what happened uh, i think the red card happened fairly it was right at the beginning of the second half because it was zero zero at half. And I want to say it was like it was within five or ten minutes, maybe, of the second half. And, and it was, you know, I, I never say his name right. Delight, delight, yep. Um, you know, which is one of the one of the more formidable players on that squad. So that, that was a real big hurt. Regardless of that, yeah, of course, it's it's hard when you root for a team that you follow pretty consistent consistently over several decades um, for that to be their final match. Yeah. I would have, obviously I would have preferred a way different outcome. 
Right. And of course, you were running without your team leader and Virgil van Dyke. I mean, he is, of course, a wall as a defender. I mean, plays his club team at Liverpool, plays lights out there, obviously playing for the Dutch and the Netherlands. Uh, not having him on the pitch, obviously, is going to already create an issue. And then obviously being a man down doesn't help your cause either. I was, I was disappointed to see you guys go out as early as you did uh, at the beginning of the round of 16. But as we know, in any international competition like this, you get the group stage, that's your round robin, you play three games, win, lose, or draw, you move to the round of 16, and then it's a one and done. You either get your shit together or you're going home. And clearly the, the Czech Republic, they, as, as teams often do in this situation, we've talked about this with other sports, you can't play not to lose. You have to play to win. And when you see teams playing not to lose, more often than not, they're going to lose. If, if you're not pressing, and, and we saw this in a number of games, like teams just constantly pressing, constantly pressing, and eventually you press that much, you, you most likely are going to break through and score a goal. Yeah. But when you're playing a man down, you are generally on your back foot. And then the minute you go a goal down, you're now chasing the game. Right. And that makes it even harder. Makes it, it makes it virtually impossible even for top shelf top tier um, uh, squads to be able to to come back from something like that absolutely um, so on the, on the flip as disappointed as i have been uh with the netherlands going out um in the uh in the round robin portion of the tournament you uh being a supporter of the three lions must be quite thrilled that they uh that they're in the finals yeah i am Obviously, it's historic in nature as as many years as it has been uh, uh, never been in a final of this competition. And so, you know, to get to this point, the energy, the excitement, of course, it doesn't hurt that you're playing at home in front of home crowd, a packed stadium. Did you see the England players kind of trolling? Uh, the Italy players trolling the English players saying, hey, it must be nice. You know, you guys have been playing play home, home. Home, home court advantage the entire tournament. Well, I mean, again, this has just been a wildly different issue in terms of what they set up when Euros were supposed to take place a year ago. But because of COVID, they shifted a year. They had to re-examine the situation in terms of were they going to hold the matches in the stadiums that had already been agreed to, or were they going to shift those places? What were the protocols going to be? How many people would be allowed into stadiums, travel bans and restrictions? So obviously UEFA had a ton to deal with just putting this on a year later. But in terms of Wembley, the amount of people that that place will seat, I think it's 90,000 is the capacity if it's full. They're going to be looking at venues like that for the semifinals and the final matches. I mean, that, yes, you England making it, that's as much luck as it is their, their ability and skill to get this far. And so they knew where the semifinals and final matches were going to be long before England ever made it here. So yeah, to troll them and be like, Oh, must be nice. That's just, you know, if it had been Italy and, and Spain playing in the finals, it would still be in Wembley. It wouldn't matter. Neither would have home home court advantage. So yeah, you take yeah, it. With a grain and, of salt. and here's the thing that the, the European Union's open again for travel. I don't know if you really want to travel to to London right now, considering the Delta variant and all the COVID issues that are going on, but you could. And and I suppose if you're safe enough and careful enough, you could and you could yeah. go there and you could support you could support your your, your squad, your team. Um I, I kind of do get the point nonetheless. Uh I was kind of surprised with the quarterfinals, semifinal and finals with everything going on in London. I was kind of surprised they didn't move the match to a different location. Uh, one that's not as maybe um, of a, of a hotbed of, of, co- of COVID cases. Yeah. Right. But, but, but I also understand logistically that that's easier or not as easy uh, executed as it is said. So I, I mean, I think from that perspective as well, you know, I, I think it's weird. Yes. They have home home field advantage. And I think that was one of the storylines that I heard when the semifinal match with England versus Denmark, Denmark petitioned UEFA, like they were given X amount of tickets and the Den and Denmark petitioned UEFA for more tickets. I think they were ultimately granted 8,000. Ultimately, I think it was 64,000 in the stadium that day and only 8,000 tickets were, were granted to Denmark to sell. And it's like, that's wildly different. Like I, I get there are probably restrictions to travel and things of that nature. I understand that, but it's like clearly you you've set it up for home field advantage at that point because you've only released eight thousand tickets to the opposition. So 
I mean, if it was, hey, we're going to split it right down the middle and, you know, 50-50, that'd be different. Yeah, I don't I don't think the logistics of how you work work that out in this instance, there, there's not going to be any right answer. There's not no. going to be any clear-cut, definitive, this was the best course of action, the best way to go. There's always going to be, you know, he's uh, looking back, in hindsight and kind of maybe wagging fingers and shaking heads because, you know, these are unprecedented times of what we're trying to overcome because you I mean for shit, you can't put the tournament off any longer than what you did. Really. You either, you, you either hold it now or you don't have it at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was, I, I don't want to misspeak. I haven't looked it up. But I can't remember. It's either the, I think it was the quarterfinal, maybe the round of 16, maybe the quarterfinal England was in, it was in Rome. I think it was England was in Rome for the match. And Italy had released no tickets outside of their own country. It's like, if you're not in country already, you're not going to the game. You cannot travel because they had a restriction on people coming in because of COVID. And yes, you're correct. It was Stadio Olimpico. Yeah. Yep. And, and so in that situation, they were like, oh, there are English fans here. And I think the commentator even said they would have had to have been in country already. You could not travel to that game. So I, I do get, like you're saying, the unprecedented nature of this situation and trying to put this on a year later and deal with all of the speed bumps and roadblocks and issues. But obviously, you know, you get to that point, you're 60,000 people in a stadium, 8,000 for one side, 52,000 for the other. It's going to be different. There's going to be that home field. Here, here's the thing. I know people here uh, from France, from Italy, from the UK, all traveled outside of Austria to go watch a match or two. So it happened. Oh, absolutely. And I yeah, believe some I mean, countries were letting people in. I just know at that point, Italy was letting no one in to go to that match if you were not already there. Yeah. So I, and I think it was their, their way of kind of safeguarding the situation. Yeah, and I get that. I mean, you don't want to – at least you hope that's what they were doing right, um, because right. that's, that's the responsible adult thing to do. Speaking of, let's go ahead and go to this one, the historic run of Austria in this competition. Yeah. You, you currently live in Vienna, Austria. I don't know that, yes, you call it home, but I, I'm, you're not Austrian, obviously, but I think you you support the home side when you're there. It's where you live, you know, and so that had to be amazing to deal with the, the kind of the city getting through, making it on a historic run. Yeah, they got bounced after the, the group stage and, and so forth, but they did make history for themselves by getting as far as they did. And they and they looked they looked good. Yeah. I mean, um you know they've got they've got some solid they got some solid players on their squad so yeah i it was it was unexpected uh it was unprecedented um and it was extremely enjoyable immensely enjoyable because people were excited i guess it's it's important to note this when you think of germans you think of these very rigid people these very logical thinking people i mean jokingly i think you could think of like a vulcan right from from star trek i mean i guess that's how a lot of people think of germans <clears throat> austrians are typically very laid back easygoing people but they don't show a lot of emotion they don't especially to outsiders to i mean i guess within their groups maybe they do i don't know but your typical austrian is not someone who gets overly emotional they're not um they don't have the same kind of sense of humors that we do to kind of see them glom together and come together and support you know their national team the way they did and the run they had in this tournament and how excited a lot of them got and i'm sure several many of many of an of, of austrian uh, kind of came out of their shell a bit and so i think for me on a cultural level that was the coolest thing i saw was people who are normally very quiet, well-reserved, kind of just, you know, buttoned up, kind of like letting their hair down, rolling up their sleeves and having a good time and, and that being okay and that being acceptable. Right. Um, so that, that was cool because I, I, as I understand it to be true, that is not normally a commonplace common thing in their nature, right? Yeah. Culturally speaking. So that was cool. And let's be honest. I mean, yes, they made it through the, the group stage and then they played Italy and, and take nothing away from them. They played Italy, Italy to a one, one draw in full time, took yep. it to extra time and obviously lost two one, but they didn't get blown out. It's not like you were playing Italy and you lost seven, nothing, seven, one, or, well, three, one. nothing, four, nothing, whatever. Right. I, I mean, mean, even, you, you know, four, two. Yeah. You played yeah. them close. Yeah. And you took it just about as far as you could take that game. But I tell you, at the end of that match, you, you could feel a sadness oh, in course. the city. You could hear a pin drop in this well, town. I, 
you and I even texted about it's like they will burn that fucking city down if they beat Italy, like to beat a powerhouse like that. Here's what I would say about that. I I don't think so, because they are so well reserved uh, as a as a culture. I don't think but I would have been and I'm still intrigued to know what that what if scenario what that looks like. like. Yeah, because I would have I was very, very intrigued to see if if, if, I mean, seriously, because first of all, you put Italy down to move on to to what the, the semifinals. Um, that would have been, I, I, I can't even imagine. I, I, I would like to imagine the thing, what I know I would see, but given what I know about their culture here and this being an unprecedented situation, I just don't know what the sum of that looks like. And I would have loved to have seen it for sure. Right. All right. So, you know, Austria, kudos to them for making it as far as they did. Another storyline, reigning champions, Portugal. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can see you smiling. Um, getting bounced by Belgium. Uh, I of course was not disappointed in least I look, I I'm not taking anything away from Cristiano Ronaldo, not to say he isn't one of the best, if not the best player in the world, depending on the time of year, balancing that against a, a f- very select few of other players, but I've never been a Portugal fan ever. And, you know, I, I can get behind his play when he's playing at the club level, but there's just something about Portugal. I've just never been a fan of, and, you know, they won five years ago now. And, to carry that into this one as the the title holders and defending your title, uh, I was hoping they'd they'd kind of crash out early. That didn't happen, but I was glad to see Belgium taking control of that game and and ending their 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 run at the Euros. And and that's not to be, you know, it's not jealousy or anything like that. It's just I've I've just never been a Portugal fan. That's not my thing. It's not my cup of tea. So I mean, because really, that's that's for all intents and purposes, that's a one man show. I mean, that's Cristiano Ronaldo year in and year out carrying that team. And it's just like, I don't know, just not a fan. So I was glad to see them crash out in, in the, in the round of 16. Well, in Belgium. Belgium, who's what um, they were the perennial favorites to, to win the entire tournament. And so, and I think that's okay. So, and, and you're touching on one of the subject lines that actually crosses multiple threads, which is Portugal's out. Um, the, 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 the reigning Dutch are out. World, the, 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 yeah, the Dutch are out. The reigning world champs of France, out. Um, the, they're out. That was um, a surprise against Switzerland. Ger- Germany is out. Out. Um, and Spain now, out. Uh, uh, yeah, well, Spain's now out. Um, and Belgium, Belgium's out. The perennial yeah. favorites are out. So, I mean, it's just it, it's amazing that we've got and, and it's not that England and Italy is shit because it's not. I mean, we, we we've talked. Uh, quite a bit ad nauseum, in fact, about the fact that up until up until that Denmark match, and this is a, this is another feather in the cap for Denmark. Nobody had scored on England this entire tournament. Nope. Denmark did that. They did they did something that no one else had done this entire tournament. So, you know, England has played a, a, a an amazing tournament, and as much as it pains me to say this, Italy has looked fast and fluid and creative and. Um, just the, the way they can come at you and attack you. I mean, their counter, the way they counter um, is just something to behold. I mean, it's a clinic to watch them when they're on the counter. So it's not like England, Italy is a crappy match. Don't, don't mistake my comment on uh, comments on that. I think it's going to be an amazing match tonight. Um, it's just when you have all these powerhouses who, I mean, in the quarterfinals, we had Belgium, Italy, Spain, England. So half of the quarterfinals were what you might consider classic or traditional, you know, football powerhouses. The rest weren't, you know, and it wasn't in, 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 there wasn't even near Francis, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which a lot of people expected to, to, I know there were several people who thought they were the, the, the Making favorite a deep to win run. it all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Coming off they, that dominating performance of the world cup. Yeah. And, and for all intents and purposes, all of the pieces still in place. And so I think they thought, that France was going to make a deep run, potentially a favorite to win the whole thing. And then, of course, that didn't happen. They, they spilled out against Switzerland. And that, was, of course, was an interesting day because you had France lose to Switzerland. The same day you had runner-up Croatia. They were runners-up in 2016, lost to Portugal when Portugal won, playing against Spain. Spain beat them. And I, uh, it was 14, 14 goals scored that day between those four teams. Like that was a world record in terms of the amount okay. of goals scored. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's another storyline. There have been so many goals and some amazing and not just like 
not just corner kicks, not just set pieces, not just um, penalty kicks, you know, but some amazing creative. And I got to tell you, I'm seeing less of this thing where they go down the wing and they cross it and they hope to get a header or deflection or something. I mean, they're trying to come through the middle. Yeah. There's been some amazing stuff where they come right up the gut uh, that I have really enjoyed. I've really enjoyed a lot of the goal scoring in this tournament and there's been a ton of it, which has also been another storyline, I think for this tournament. Yeah. Uh, As you mentioned, Jordan Pickford for England was running complete uh, clean sheet. Now they don't have a golden glove award for this competition, but if they did, he would have won it, ran a clean sheet right up until the semifinals against Denmark gave up one goal. And in every game they played, he's only given up one goal. Great job by him. Kudos to him. As you said, like there have been more in terms of records, more missed penalty kicks in this competition than any previous competition, which, I mean, if you have sat at the penalty spot and you're looking at at that goal, 24 feet wide, eight feet high, and you're going, this should be easy, right? Because it's a guy six foot, six foot plus, maybe standing there and he's got to cover that entire goal. You think, well, that that's a no-brainer. Uh, the penalty spot is 12 yards, 12 yards away. And you think nobody should ever miss that. But until you're in that environment and dealing with the pressure of that situation, you don't know what it's like. So there have been more missed penalty kicks, more blocked penalty kicks. Yeah, it has just been an amazing well, competition. More games going into 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 over, you know, into overage the time. Extra time, into, yeah. Yeah, extra time. And and I don't know, it's just been I don't know. It's been a wild and crazy tournament and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I can't remember one that I've enjoyed quite as much in recent memory. Well, I know that was one of the things when uh, the Swiss, the Swiss beat France, beat them in penalty kicks and then came back in the next game playing Spain. And that also went to penalty kicks. Now they dominated, they dominated France in the penalty kicks. I don't think they missed one. And then they came back against Spain in penalty kicks. And I think they only made one. Like they were one. horrible yeah. the next time around. And even the commentators like, well, they've got the benefit of how they did. They've already come off a penalty kick win. They should be in good shape. And they were fucking abysmal. I was like, yep. I was like, this should be a, this should be a win. And then it was like, holy shit, both sides, both sides in that penalty shootout sucked. They were horrible, but well, it was and, a and surprise. You also remember that in that match, Switzerland also had a, they were playing uh, with, with 10, uh, but only Amanda, 10. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. the fact that they were able to take Spain into extra time penalty and kicks. penalty kicks, and we're talking from the seventy seventh minute, right? That's we're, not I mean, easy that's, feat. No, that's that's you still got what thirteen minutes plus oh, uh, stoppage time, and then which 30 is another thirty, which is another thirty. Yep. On top of that, yep. yeah. And they took uh, Spain to to the yep. distance. I think maybe they just ran out of gas. How do know? you not? And and people go, oh, you're only playing X amount. Look, when you're running constantly. Like these guys, there's a reason. Yes, they cramp up if they're not staying hydrated. I know it's hot over there. And absolutely, you just run the tank completely dry and have nothing left. Yeah, there's a reason why you never see a fat soccer player. That's right. Now, I know that was one of the things commentators were saying is they were allowing more substitutions in this competition than any previous competition. Uh, because of like, if you got into extra time, you got more substitutions that you could make if, the, if it did go to extra time. But at the end of the day, it's not like you're turning over your whole team. I mean, you don't get to change out all 11 men. So you are still going to have guys that are just the tanks bone dry and they're literally running on fumes. So at that point, if you're going to back to back extra time to penalty kicks and what Switzerland did against France and Spain, that just, that takes a lot out of you. No doubt. So, you know, it is yeah. And it I think is. emotionally and not just physically, I think probably even emotionally, I mean, you know, you, you could say next to, Denmark Cinderella run. I think Switzerland's right behind them. They they had an, another amazing tournament. Uh, I would agree with their run. But I think of all the teams, Denmark has probably been the biggest storyline in terms of how they started and how they mm. finished. Yeah, and I and I think had it not gone down that way, I think Switzerland may have may have had top billing on the storylines for how they played, because I think uh, even with that red card, but but for that red card, I mean they 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 stood a good chance of taking Spain down. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know what a, what a Switzerland Italy match would have looked like, but I think I might have enjoyed it more than Spain because Spain just didn't seem hungry. They, yeah. I mean, they seemed like they were kind of like on an autopilot maybe at right. best. And so I think I would have rather seen a, a hungry Swiss team gunning for, uh, for Italy. I, look, I, here's what I'm also saying. 
in an alternative universe, had we seen a final where it would have been uh, Denmark versus Switzerland, I'd have been fine with that in this tournament. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, five years ago when Iceland made that historic run and I mm-hmm. actually beat England, like you talk about pulling for an underdog. Yep. <laughs> I was all about Iceland at that point. I was like, man, go the distance. It was, it was a shame they didn't, but, you know, it was one of those. You can't help. I think it's just natural as a person to just root for the underdog. Well, in that it was situation. like Croatia in, in the world cup yeah. a couple of years ago. I mean, same thing, you know, you can't help but root for them because it's just amazing what they're doing. And, and we know it because we know how hard it is to go deep in these tournaments. Yes, absolutely. Now we're up, I think to our semifinal matches, Italy versus Spain, England versus Denmark, Italy versus Spain. I wanted to see Spain win that Italy wanted that one more. I mean, that was, it, it was one of those where you just, like you said, there was a fluidity to Italy's play. Spain, I won't say they were chasing the game, but it was like there, there didn't seem to be any. Uh, they just didn't seem as motivated. Right. As driven. Because um, let's be honest, Italy knocking out Belgium. I mean, that, that solidified for that team. We can win this all. We can do this, yes. There's nobody. If we can beat Belgium, there's nobody we can't beat. And yeah, you can make the claim that Spain is is not the Spain of old. You did you had no Sergio Ramos, who had been the the heartbeat of that team for years, uh, was not there. So yeah, Spain just looked like they were playing on their heels that entire game. They it seemed like they were quite content to to play through full time, play through extra time, and if we get to penalty kicks, then you know hopefully we can win it on penalty kicks. But there just didn't ever seem to be any oomph like we are trying to win this now. And that was that was that was a shame because I would have loved to have seen them win that. Who that Spain? Point, yeah. 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 I mean, I was I was rooting for Spain because again, I, I just I think Italy may be coming into their own and they may be the new powerhouse, young powerhouse on the block. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's weird to say when we're talking about Italy, but again, to reiterate, I mean they didn't make the World Cup two years ago. You know, two, what, two and a half years three, ago, whatever, yeah, yeah. three years ago now. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Three years ago. Shit. Yeah. Happens. Yeah. And so this is kind of a, I mean, for, for Italy, which is, you know, a staple in, in this sport worldwide, um, it's, it, that's a weird thing. So when we say new kid, I mean, we, we, we kind of mean it because it's kind of true. I mean, yeah. To not make a World Cup in your Italy is a big deal. So now that they're here, I, I, I feel as though, I don't know. I'm excited to see what we see tonight. I'm intrigued. Uh, I'm intrigued to, to watch them and, and see how they, they do going forward. But I, I, I do, I agree with you. I feel like Spain just, maybe they walked in thinking, whatever, we, we could manhandle. They didn't even make the World Cup. We, we've got this. Right. They were on their heels uh, more than they weren't in that match. And um, as much as I also wanted to see Italy uh, lose, I mean, but you know, look, it went full time. It went to penalty kicks. I mean, we both know that that can go. And that's why you don't want to go to penalty kicks. Because, I mean, Gully's only got to stop one. Right. Just one. That can go any way. And that's not, you don't want to leave it to that. Yeah. So, obviously, Italy, Spain, their semifinal match. And then we move on to the other semifinal match, which is England versus Denmark. I mean, what do you say about this one? It, it's it's a, a 2-1 win. England England, obviously, crosses the finish line first here. But I don't know how I felt about it. And, I, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I was not super excited about the penalty kick that was awarded to Harry Kane. Was not sold on that one. Uh, I believe even, who's the guy, the, the ref guy that they always bring in, Clattenburg, Mark Clattenburg, who is a, a notorious ref, has, has refed a ton of games, major games. And they bring in Mark Clattenburg, and he wasn't even sold. I was like, you know, that's one of those minor things. It was not the way I wanted him to win it. Well, not, not just that, but... Denmark scores first, right? Right. England's well, first goal was an own goal. Own, so Denmark scored twice. <laughs> <laughs> One could argue, yeah. Yes. And then, like you said, the Harry Kane penalty kick was, or at least to get to the penalty kick, that decision right. was questionable, in my opinion. Divisive. Yes. At and, best. And then take nothing away from Casper Schmeichel, who stops the penalty. Unfortunately, and I discussed this with my dad. I said, unfortunately. He tries to cradle the ball. He tries to he tries to 
cradle the ball and hold on to it. And he shouldn't have, he should have just pushed it away because when he tried to cradle it and it spilled out, it spilled right back towards Harry Kane. Well, Harry's going to be the first guy to the ball. There's Mm -hmm. not going to be a way to stop it. And I think if he had tried to just bat it towards the side, push it out away from the goal, that's not a goal. Like that doesn't get converted by Harry Kane in such close, close range at that point. But he guessed right. He made the jump. He's oh, for all intents. Technically, purposes, he guessed left. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But he stopped it. I mean, he uh, and and uh, honestly, I wanted the English to win, but I was rooting for him to stop that. And when he did, I was like, "Holy shit!" But of course, he did not cradle it and hang on to it, which I think was the mistake. But in that moment, it's split second decision making, and you know, it is. It's it's how it happens. It was still a great fucking game. At the end of the day, I just loved watching the game. Yeah, it was just one of those though where, and I think if we go back and look at the the, the statistics, England dominated that game. They did, but Denmark getting that early goal was was huge because, well, there was two huge things: getting that goal and then scoring the own goal to kind of negate it. Right. Um, I think you're right. I think it really all comes down to. But for the call of that penalty kick, which I agree was also questionable, and I, I think probably shouldn't have been one, that to then have it blocked, but to then get the rebound of it and put it in the back of the net was just—I mean, the stars you know, aligned. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those where it's like—I mean, we're talking twenty shots versus six shots, so twenty shots for England, six shots for freaking Denmark, right? Ten on goal versus three on goal. 59% possession versus 41%, uh, 41, 728 passes versus 534 passes. Right. The point's the point, which is, I mean, England should have won this by a lot more and shouldn't have been scored on yet again. So it just goes to show again, kudos to Denmark for the push they made. Um, this match could have gone very, very differently. Like, like most, when you get the quarter in the semifinals and even the final match, I mean, we both know that like, you know, a blade of grass blows the wrong way can change, you know, everything. Yeah. And, and as we have already said, Jordan Pickford playing, uh, you know, playing to clean sheets every game prior and then getting scored on in this one. And for what you said, that own goal, if that own goal doesn't get scored, England loses this game because it ends one, nothing. And I think that that paints an interesting picture because as you said, England dominated from the stat perspective, England dominated. I think, what Denmark brought to the table was that energy, that solidarity, that we're playing for something bigger than ourselves. We, we've had one of our mates go down, and that is what they kind of locked onto for their entire run of the tournament. And if they don't score that own goal, then England doesn't. England's not sitting in the final today. Yeah, but, but it kind of goes back to one of the things, one of the things we talked about with Italy. Um, and I think England falls in the same category. So I think there's a nice symmetry here for, for the final match, which is that. They keep pushing. You keep pushing. You keep taking those shots. It's the law of averages. Eventually, shit falls. You know, the ball bounces the right way. Right. You know, exactly when it needs to. I mean, how many times have we seen these just like gorgeous long passes or these gorgeous through balls or these gorgeous crosses and there's nobody there? Right. Right. Or the opposite is we see that and there's someone right there that just, I mean, they just execute perfectly. It's a one touch and they go. Yep. You know, or they they play they play the ball as it comes to them, you know, and put it in the back of the net. I mean, it's just the, England kept taking their shots, and that's the thing about dominating time of possession. That's the thing of like you know dominating the passes and controlling the ball is that you you in theory create more opportunities to let that ball hit the back of the net. Right now, I think one of the benefits that is the semifinal game. So let's go ahead and move to the final game. It is England versus Italy. It will occur today. So unfortunately, we won't be giving you a breakdown about that game, but that's neither here nor there. I think when you're looking at both teams, and it, maybe it's a little unfair because I'm an England fan, when you're looking at both teams on paper with the starting 11, even if they're even, I think in this tournament, your Harry Canes, your Sterlings, uh, you know, people like that have been playing on a whole other level. They've just been playing lights out through the entire tournament. Then you add in players that England can bring off the bench, your Jack Grealishes, your Jordan Hendersons, like your Kieran Trippiers. They are, they, are, they are guys that would start on most teams, and they're the backups on England's team. And I think that gives England a depth of, of players that Italy doesn't possess. So I think in the long run, with the number of substitutions they get, if this goes to extra time and so forth, 
I think England has more depth in terms of the players they start with and the talent that resides on the bench that they can call upon. I think that gives them the advantage. Coupled that with they're playing at home in front of a home crowd. I'm not sure what they're going to allow in terms of stadium capacity. I know the semifinal match was 60,000. And I think they, they actually quoted it was like 64,000 and change was actually in the building. It's about two thirds of what Wembley can hold. So I, I think you have to give that bump to England going into this match today. Now, Italy can quiet the noise. They can, they, you know, they come out, they score first. As you said, the fluid way they play. Don't act like bitches. If they come out and score first. There's counterattacks. If they come out and score first, they're going to shut down the crowd. And then what you have to do, either team, doesn't matter who it is, you just have to stand on their throat and keep going. And that's a problem a lot of teams have. They score first, and then they drop back and play defense. And that's where I, I said at the beginning of this, you can't play not to lose. You have to play to win. You score one, you might as well try to score seven. So here's, and of course, we obviously don't know the lineups, the formations of any of the teams, what they're going to be using. I mean, we can probably approximate it if we really wanted to think about it, but that'd be a whole nother episode, I think. Um, here's what I'll say. I think the key, can they maintain possession enough to take enough shots to put more balls in the back of the net than Italy and simultaneously counter Italy's counter if they don't? They've got to counter the counter. That's a lot of countering, and I don't know if they can count that high. I'm not yeah, sure. I don't either, bro. I mean, there's only three Lions, so I don't yes. know if they can go higher than three. It's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, I'm pulling for England. I would love to see England win. Ultimately, ultimately for me, I just want a good game. I want an exciting game. I want a fast-paced game. I want a fun game, hard-hitting game. Neither team relenting, neither team giving up. You know, you play to the counter. You try to counter. You try to stop it. Goal, goalkeepers playing lights out. Like, if you get that, regardless of how it ends, I'm okay. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think we can agree. I, like you, I want I want those same things. I want to see a great match. Obviously, I also would prefer to see England win. Um, I th- I think what's going to be intriguing intriguing to watch and see how it plays out is does England get and make the best of those opportunities? Do they maintain possession and create the better opportunities to put the ball in the goal without giving up midfield possession and or the last third possession and having Italy do those quick counters where they just sprint down the field and England just is so overwhelmed by that. They can't stop them. You know, I mean, that's every England match I saw, that's what got England through or not England, Italy, uh, every Italy match I watched, that's what got Italy through is that quick counter that I think it was like what less than five passes is what they make before they put the ball in the back of the net. It's been super impressive. So we'll see because up until the Denmark goal, England was rolling clean sheets. So we might have, I mean, one hell of a match on our hands to, to enjoy. I think people will make the argument. And this is my only concern with England in terms of group stage to the final. I think we both can agree. If you look at the breakdown, England had the easier road to get there in terms of who they faced. You know, your Italy's have had to go through your Spain's, your Belgium's, you know, England was not tested that way in terms of the knockout stage. So it, will they, will they be able to compete at the necessary level? Yet. I mean, you've got, you got Harry Kane and what is the little guy's name? Sterling. 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 Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling and, and Harry Kane have basically been putting on a clinic this entire tournament. I would argue in the last match, some of Raheem Sterling's decision-making was questionable. Dude needs to maybe pass a little bit more sometimes, <laughs> you know, instead of just trying to take so much on his shoulders. Cause he's just, he's like what, I mean, he, he's like the little, he looks like he's like five, six, he's like Hobbit height, but he yeah, runs. He's, yeah. I mean, I get it. He's got wheels. Place. I yeah. mean, here's the thing. He, he wants to be messy, but he's not, you know, with that being said, I, I mean, you've got two, two great goal scorers up front. Let's see if that back line, if, here's what I say. If that back line can hold Italy and their counter, then I think England's got this easy. Easy. Well, I mean, you've got the John Stones, the Kyle Walkers, the Luke Shaws, the Harry Maguires. I mean, they have the people in the back line to to be a shutdown defense. I mean, and they can even play slightly elevated because the pace of Kyle Walker is fucking insane. The, the stuff that he was running down against Denmark, like they would get caught out of position and he would just run the guy down. I mean, he has a pace 
that is literally on a completely different level than a lot of your your sure. forwards do. Your strikers just so but they can't Denmark. keep up. That yeah. was it, that wasn't Italy's front. Now, I, I get that, so, but I'm just saying. I, I think they with, with Pickford and goal, and then your back line with a Walker, a, a Stone, Maguire, Shaw. I think if they're starting from the back, they've got a solid line of defense. The question's going to be, how does it move through the midfield? And do they put Kane and Sterling in positions that open them up to make goals? Because they can defend all day long, but they obviously you're not going to win a game by defending. You've got to have some offense and you've got to put the ball in the back of the net. So they've got to put themselves in a position to allow Sterling and Kane to do their job. So here's what's interesting is I don't, neither one of these teams have actually ever won the Euro Cup, I don't think. Uh, Denmark in 2000, uh, not Denmark. Oh my God. I was, I was thinking the last right. game I looked up. Yeah. Denmark has Italy. I'm not sure if they have or not. This says Italy. And this is Italy's 10th major tournament final six world cup, four euros, but has never but won it. I don't think they've won it. This is obviously England's first final. Yes. In Italy have finished as runner ups on two occasions, losing to France in 2000 and Spain in 2012. There you go. Yeah. And what's interesting is, England's never been in a final since 1966, a final of any major tournament yeah. since 1966. Yep. yep. Beating Germany, right? Yep. 4-2 at where? Uh, at Wembley. Yes. At home. Amazingly at enough. Wembley. Actually, this says uh, Italy has won. They beat Yugoslavia in okay. 1968. <laughs> <laughs> 1968. They were also the host nation at the time. So, so we... we we, we can we can revise that and say in the modern era. <laughs> yes. But but as you said, in 2000, they lost to Belgium, Netherlands. Uh, I'm sorry, they lost to France, Belgium and Netherlands. They were the host nation. And then, and then in 2012, they lost to Spain. So, yes, they have won once. But as you said, England has never made it to the final. This will be the first time. 1966 major tournament. Uh, that was the World Cup when they won. Uh, uh, how many years is that? That's a lot of years. 60, I mean, 60 plus years. Since they've yep. been, so they've already made history in terms of getting to the final. Uh, if they can bring it home, I think if they bring this home, Gareth Southgate as the the coach manager of England just secured his spot. Agreed, no of, doubt. He can write his own ticket. So I would agree. Yeah. It, it will become Sir Gareth Southgate. Yes. At the end of the day, like like we both said, just looking forward to see some exciting football. Hope that it falls the way we want. I'm really pulling for England. Would love to see because in in and of itself, even though you can claim they're a dominant side in the world of football it would be a cinderella story story of sorts because they've never made it to a final since 1966 in any major tournament so it it's it's kind of writing its own little cinderella story so i'm definitely interested to see how this plays out yeah it's funny that, that we're saying a cinderella story for england because you know you feel like they're always the bridesmaid never the bride, never the bride. right kind of like usa <laughs> Yeah, there are parallels, no doubt. Right. Yeah. But don't, but don't, but don't try to tell someone from England that, as I did the other night at the pub, because they don't see it that way. But you know, it would be interesting to get a, someone like that their perspective on American football and and the and the competitive aspect of American football, because we've talked about it on this show before. Probably something we will dive into. At, at some point in the near future, a little deeper, because I would love to talk about it, is they just play a different game here than, than teams do in other places in the world. And it's hard to be competitive when that's the case. Either way, love the topic, love the show, love you being here. Uh, I appreciate your hot take on all of these, these storylines. I'm definitely interested to see how this falls out. I will be watching with excitement, bated breath, hoping my boys can, can pull out a win. If they don't, all I ask, all I ask is for some just quality football. That's it. Yeah, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna see a great match, regardless of which which way this goes. I, I'm 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 excited. Like you, I uh, yes, I prefer to see England get the get the W in the column, and like you, I hope. Barring that, I hope we do see quality quality football tonight, and I think we will. I, I'm 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 pretty stoked. This is one I, of those. The capstone of this tournament will just be let's see a quality match tonight. Yeah. The the. the the issue though is I want to see 90 minutes of good football. Then when it gets to 90 minutes, I'm like, I could go for another 30. But then you're like, I don't really want it to go to penalties. So if this is yeah. 120 minutes of football, I'm good, but I'd really prefer it not go. To I, I don't know if my 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 butt pl- my my butt clinching butt plug could handle it going full, you know, to penalties. Going to penalties. I, I don't think it, I don't think that could happen. No, I 
there's only so much quenching one man can do. I, I would, I'd rather see it executed uh, within regulation, to be honest. Well, and how many of these two teams, how many have faced penalty kicks in this tournament? Yeah, I don't, you know, that's a one question. One, because I don't think, yeah, England hasn't at all. England has not. So no. Pickford has not had to face penalty yeah, kicks. Shiza. So if this goes to penalty yeah, kicks. And Italy you, did with Spain. But yeah. did they, and they didn't see anything other than that, though, did I they? I don't think so, no. Yeah. So, wow. you know, uh, the again, you've got you've got Italy that against Spain did it. So it'll be interesting to see like they go, well, we've, we've already gone through that. We've done the 90 plus and we've gone to penalty kicks and, and been able to convert it. Now you can make the claim. Well, well, Jordan's obviously kept a clean sheet up until Denmark. Does that give him the advantage? But penalty kicks are a whole wildly different scenario. So. I don't and know. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. Like we, like when people just say it gets down to penalty kicks. I mean, it's really like tossing a coin in the air. Right. At that point. Because the, the goalkeeper's guessing. You're guessing left or right and hoping that you get the jump and you're hoping you guessed right when you did. So I would prefer, I want 90 minutes. If we get another 30, great. I don't want it to go to penalties. Uh, that's just me. I would prefer they settle it on the field, play to win right then, get it done. Well, sad, sadly, no debate here. I want the no. same thing. Okay. Uh, so. so with that, we will wrap it up. I love you, brother. Thank you for being Thank here. You, great topic. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you're going to be going to the pub to watch this with a number of fans over there in Europe. Yep. I'm jealous. Wish I was there. Wish the you were here game, as well. The last game you and I watched, we watched in an English pub here. It was USA versus Belgium in the 2014 World Cup. Phenomenal fucking game. The energy in that place was outstanding. And the results weren't quite what we wanted. A last minute, no. like, don't cry so much. Constellation goal was whatever. But, but Timmy yeah. Howard, man, Tim Howard played lights <laughs> out in the goal that day. I mean, literally a fucking wall stopped everything that came his way. Sands well, And that's how yeah. it works. <laughs> so, yeah. Go enjoy this game. Uh, obviously, we can talk about this. I'm sure I'll hear from you. But if, if anybody's out there and you're watching this, I hope you enjoy it. It's going to be a good one. England versus Italy, the Euro Championship 2020. It may be a year late in coming, but I'm glad it's here. And uh, looking forward to see how this one falls out. As always, from all of us here at A Spirited Debate, we'd ask that you'd like, if you'd like to follow us on Instagram or Facebook at A Spirited Debate, feel free. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter at Spirited Debates, you can drop us a line there, or you can check out our website at aspirateddebate.com. Uh, as always, you can like, follow, listen at your leisure. It's truly up to you. We just love having everybody here, but always please feel free to drop us an email at spirateddebates at gmail.com. Let us know drink recipes you'd like us to try or topics you'd like us to debate. We would be glad to do that. Maybe possibly we will reach out to you as, as we have done and have somebody on. Uh, if you have a topic that you'd like us to try, uh, to debate, we could have you on and, and let you debate it with us. So please feel free to drop us a line and let us know. And as always, gentlemen, we close out the show. Salud. Salud. Cheers. Cheers.